Well, what a privilege and an honor it is to have you with us today. Once again, if, if we have not met yet, my name is Trevor. My wife, Lindsay, and I lead Radical Church, and I'm pretty sure she's over in the kids' area somewhere right now with our two kiddos, Oakland and Tegan, just causing a ruckus, I bet. I gave them hot chocolate this morning. Guys, bad idea. It was a very bad idea. I preached the end of my first message, and right, right as I said amen after first service, Oakland runs up on stage, and Lindsay comes up to me with that face. Moms, you know what I'm talking about. The face of like, get this kid out of my face right now, or I'm going to go crazy. And I said, let's go outside and play tag. So it's been one of those kinds of mornings. I know that that's kind of how the Christmas season goes sometimes, though, isn't it, guys? Like, it's, it's nuts, and there's a lot of stress, uh, a lot of spending, okay? You're like, how am I going to spend all this money on all these people? And all these gifts and everything, when they might not even give me anything back, you know what I mean? Like, you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. But I know it's a difficult time for a lot of people, a lot of family. Um, some of them you like. Some of them you have to pray to like, you know. And, and I know it's difficult. I know you said, careful, I will be, all right. Uh, but I know it's a difficult time. And, and that's why we're talking about finances, to be honest. Every, every couple of years, I preach on finances. And, um, and I think it's important because... Jesus talks a whole lot about finances, a whole lot about money, a whole lot about stewardship and taking care of the things that God has given us and doing something with what God has given us. And so uh, we're in the final message of the series called More Than Money. Somebody say, more than money. Why? It's because it really is about more than money. It's not just about giving to and through your local church. It's not about radical church. It's not about the kingdom of, of radical. That's not what this is about. That's not what we're trying to do. We're about advancing the kingdom of God right here in Hayes County and all across the world. Somebody say amen. And so that's why I want to talk about it because God does not want you to be in debt. He doesn't want you to be a slave to sin, but he certainly doesn't want you to be a slave to the bank either because we know that God wants to bless you and your family. You believe that? God wants to bless me. He wants to bless my family. And so that not for just me, but so that I can be a blessing to other people in this world around me. God doesn't just give to you so that you could keep it to yourself, but so that we could always give to others. And so that's why we're talking about more than money. Um, I do have a question as we start today. How many of y'all are math people? Math people, raise your hand. Where are you at? Okay, all the smarty britches are all out there. I see you. Come on now. I know you're there. Um, I love being a, a math person, okay? Math is definitely one of my things. Uh, I did not like science very much. I didn't like science class when I was growing up. I didn't really like um, a few other class, English class. I didn't like English class, which is kind of ironic considering that I'm a public speaker for a living and I speak out of a book and it just is what it is. But I didn't like English class. The problem was in English class, and tell me if I'm wrong, is that when you're in English class, the teacher, you're reading a book, and then she's like, so the door, when uh, Eduardo walked through the door, it was blue. And why was the door blue? And, uh, and then all these people giving these weird, extravagant answers on why the door was blue. And I'm like, because it's a blue door. Like, it's just like, there's nothing of significance. It's just a blue door. Like, can we, can we not just have a blue door? It's just the door was blue. Like, and this is why I like math, guys, because there's one answer. One, you cannot be wrong if you get the right answer. And if it's not that answer, then you're wrong and you need to sit down because you don't know what you're talking about. But the teacher will entertain all kinds of these outlandish ideas. So I liked math growing up. And uh, I, I find it interesting when you look through scripture that God is a God of math. There's a lot of numbers in scripture. Three, seven, 
10, 12, 40. These are just some of the significant numbers that God chooses to use in scripture. And uh, one thing I find really interesting is that God does not just work in addition. Like when my son, he's just now learning addition and subtraction and all this kind of stuff. And he's kind of figuring it out, okay? But um, God does not just work in addition, but he works in multiplication, amen? God is a multiplying God. That's why when we give, I really do believe that when we give, every dollar that we give to and through the local church, every dollar that you give to somebody that's in need in your community, Every dollar you give to a local organization, man, I hope and I pray that God multiplies that money and multiplies your time, multiplies your resources, multiplies your family. Man, I believe that God multiplies everything in our lives, not just for our own benefit, but for the kingdom of God. And so I'm gonna show you right from the very beginning and all through scripture how God multiplies. Um, Right off the bat, we have Adam and Eve. What's the first thing that God told Adam and Eve to do when they left? He said, Genesis 1.28. God blessed him and said, be fruitful and what? Multiply. There it is right there, right at the beginning, Genesis 1. God is already telling them to multiply. Then you have Abraham, Genesis 22. It says, I will surely bless you. This is God talking to him. I will surely, what? Say it. Multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. So all throughout scripture, and this is just the very beginning, we see this idea of multiplying. Multiplying descendants. That was a big theme, especially in the Old Testament. Multiplying people, kids. Come on now, some of y'all got 62 children. You know what I'm talking about, okay? God says, be fruitful and multiply. And all the men said, you missed a very good opportunity, guys, to say amen. Come on, guys, y'all were nervous as all get out to say amen. But in your head, you were saying amen. All right, I know you were. You guys are with me, okay? You silent, but you there, okay? Be fruitful and multiply. He said, have some kids, y'all. Have some kids. Because there's not a lot of kids running around, guys. There was Adam and Eve, and that's it, all right? So you got to have a lot of kids. Multiply. He said, take dominion over the earth. Subdue it, right? Like, be in charge of everything, and all the men are still smiling at me. I love this, dude. Okay. Uh, And so descendants was a huge thing. For Abraham, he said, I'll make your descendants as much as the stars in the sky. This is a great thing. Um, but then the message of Jesus is another thing that God wanted to multiply. And you see this all throughout the New Testament that this was multiplying. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But if I had to say my favorite thing that God multiplied in all of scripture is food. Definitely food, okay? I love Jesus, but food, man. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Seriously, uh, the feeding of the 5,000 is one of the most uh, impressive, I would say, in, in one sense, and in, in, in expansive miracles that Jesus did. And it was a miracle of multiplication. That's what I love about it so much is that Jesus did a lot of amazing miracles. He healed people, the the lame walk, the blind see, the the deaf hear. But Jesus took a little bit and then literally multiplied it into a whole lot. The miracle itself is a miracle of multiplication. And so um, he multiplies food. And if you ever multiply food and you put it on my table at Thanksgiving or Christmas, then I will serve you for the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So let me just read through you. Uh, Matthew 14, 15 through 21. This is the feeding of the 5,000. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. 
Taking the five loaves and the two fish, looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples. The disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Okay, first thing that we need to know is that in the Old Testament, especially in that time, the New Testament, this ancient times, they did not, uh, um, it says 5,000 besides women and children because they didn't count women and children when they made counts. They would count the man and that was their household. So there's 5,000 people, but we're not gonna go through the whole math. Remember, they had a lot of kids back then. Guys, the culture we have now is not the culture they had back then. They didn't have one kid. They didn't have two kids. Sometimes they did. Many times they had five to 10 children. Okay, there was this is idea of expanding and having multiple children was a sign of honor. And, and it was a sign of honor for the woman that actually bore the children. And so this was a very normal thing for them to have a lot of kids. If you do the math and kind of average of how many kids they would have had, close to 20,000 people were sitting there that day. 20,000 people, five loaves and two fishes. So they come to Jesus, the disciples, because Jesus had been hanging out with these people and was healing people left and right, doing all kinds of amazing miracles and, and, and helping the poor, healing the sick. And, and the disciples come up to him, and you got to think they've been there for a long time now. And so one brave disciple decides to go up to Jesus, and uh, he says, hey, uh, Jesus, <clears throat> it is getting a little late, and the restaurants are about to close. And I just wanted to make sure that you knew that, that you knew what time it was. I know you're very busy, like healing and stuff. But there's, there's a lot of people here that are very, very hungry. Not us. And not, we're good. We're good. We could do this all day. We're so grateful and thankful for everything you're doing. Right now. But the other people, they, they were saying that they're pretty hungry. And so maybe we should send them away to go get some food. And then I love what Jesus says. I, I always read Jesus a little bit more sarcastic than I think other people do. But when you read this, just look at it. It says, you give them some food. I think Jesus just turned around and they're like, Jesus, we need to send away. He's like, okay, and <laughs> you take care of it. Find some food. You guys are adults. You're more than capable of finding your own food. It's like the kid that comes up to the mom and is like, mom, what's for dinner? And she's like, hey, you're old enough now. You can make your own sandwich. Come on now, moms. You know what I'm talking about. You make that own sandwich. You find your own snack, get your own stuff. This is what Jesus is doing to them. He's giving a little, little mom love there. And so Jesus uh, takes the food. He blesses it, breaks the bread, gives it back to the disciples and then tells them, to go feed everybody. I think that's pretty interesting. I want you to remember this right here because we're gonna come back to this later that Jesus gave it to them and asked them to go feed everybody else. Remember that. So then Jesus is killed, he's buried, he's raised again. And then he goes back to heaven. Pentecost happens, Peter preaches. 3,000 people get saved. It's incredible. All these amazing things happen. And, and the church of Jesus Christ begins to grow. In Acts 2, we find this, uh, I love this, this chapter of the book of Acts because it really shows the beginning of the early church. Jesus is gone, Pentecost has happened, a lot of people get saved, and now the church begins to grow. It says they met together daily, daily, every day. And they would sit under the apostles' teaching, they would eat bread together. They would, they would eat together. They would hang out. They had everything in common. We talked about that last week in our message of how they took care of each other. 
They had everything in common. People would sell land and put the money at the disciples' feet and they would spread it out and help to take care of one another. Incredible what they were doing. And then it says that the Lord added to their number daily. Now you're like, Pastor Trevor, you said that God deals in multiplication, not just addition. Yes, he does do multiplication because think about this for a second. If every single day, one person was to go and tell one other person about Jesus and they get saved and give their hearts and lives to Jesus. And then the next day, that person goes out, tells somebody about Jesus and what he's done in their lives. And and the message of Jesus goes forth in that way. And every day, each and every one of us would tell one person about Jesus, said that was added to the number daily. So what do we see? Is that it's not just addition, but over time, one tells one, two tell four, four tell eight. And what do we have? That's called exponential increase, guys. Where are my math people at? You were already following me, okay? Exponential increase. What is that, guys? That's not addition anymore. That is multiplication. If, if a banker or uh, somebody comes to you that's managing your investments and said, hey, we have seen an exponential increase in your portfolio, you would say, praise God, right? Like, this is good stuff. This is what we want to see. And so there's this multiplying effect. Even when they faced persecution, a little bit later in the book of Acts, 10 chapters later, in Acts 12, 24, it says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. You got to read this. It says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Why is it saying but? Because everything right before that was talking about how they were being persecuted. Being persecuted left and right. New Christians were getting saved, but then people were being killed or they were being put in jail and they were being pushed out of their families because the Jewish religious leaders in the Roman empire didn't want the message of Jesus to get too big. They were being persecuted. It says, But aside from all of that, even in the midst of all of that, what was happening? The word of God increased and what did it do? It multiplied, amen? Our church has multiplied a whole lot in the last year. Look around, all right? Praise God for that. We celebrate that. But some people will say, and I get it, I'm not being mean, okay? Just hold on a second. Some people will say, I miss when our church was small. I really, I miss miss when it was small. When it's like that tight-knit community, you know, and, And I get that, but you got to think of it in in the way that I think that God thinks of it. And the way that I think of it is when somebody says that, I'm like, man, so you miss when we were reaching less people with the message of Jesus? You miss when we were having less of an impact in our community? You miss when we were able to give less money to missions and less money to uh, support organizations in our community and all around the world that, listen, I get the idea behind it. It's like, man, I just miss that tight-knit community. And we got to fight for community, amen? We really do. As the church grows larger, we have to understand we have to grow it smaller too and in community. And that's why we have rad groups. That's why we do those different kinds of things. But what if the early church had the same mentality? Think about it. What if the early church people were like, man, I really miss when it was just us 12. That was awesome. Those were the good old days, you know? I really miss when it was just the 72, the 70, 72, whichever translation you're reading. And I really miss when it was the 120 in the upper room. Wow, that was when it was really good, the good old days, right? Oh, and then Peter preached to 3,000 people. Man, I really miss when it was just the 3,000 of us. What do you think would have happened if the early church had the same mentality that saying, man, I miss when the church was small. The message of Jesus would have died with them. 
and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ would not be here today because nobody would even know about it. You and I would not be sitting here right now had they had that same mentality. But they celebrated the multiplication. They celebrated people being added to their number daily. Why? Because this is what God celebrates as well. Let me tell you, God wants to multiply the message of Jesus because there are millions and if there's billions of people that are out in this world that need the hope of Jesus Christ that you have in your life. And it's up to you and me. It's the ministry of reconciliation that God has given us that we get to be a part of helping people find and follow Jesus. Let me tell you, every hand that is raised, God celebrates. Every hand that goes up, there was four people in first service that gave their lives to Jesus. You better believe that God celebrated that and all of heaven was celebrating along with us. Four people said yes to God. He celebrates that. Every baptism that we have right out here, God celebrates. Every new rad group where community is being built, God celebrates that, every single bit of it. Let me put it to you this way. Multiplication is always celebrated by God, always. And I'm gonna tell you a parable of Jesus that demonstrates this really well. It's called the parable of talents. This is a made up story that Jesus, uh, a lot of times he just creates stories that kind of prove a point. This was a common thing that they did back in that day teachers, when they were teaching people, they would just kind of come up with these stories and uh, it would have a message tied to it. And so there's a lot of scripture here, but I think it's important to read the whole thing. So let me read Matthew 25, 14 through 30. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them to his property. To one, he gave five talents to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came, settled accounts with them. He who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here, I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. Another translation will say lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received what was mine own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, what a a principle that we've learned here in this passage. And I preached this two years ago, as a matter of fact, that um, that parable. And we pulled from it the five, two, one principle, the five, two, and one talents. 
And what we actually did right before, about three weeks before Miracle Offering a few years back is we put $50 bills, $20 bills, and $10 bills in a whole bunch of envelopes all across the front, thousands of dollars, right across the front of the stage. And said, hey, we want every single person in here to come and grab an envelope. And it's gonna have 50, 20, or $10 in it. And we want you to multiply what you've been given and then bring it back a few weeks later and give it toward the miracle offering. It was incredible. People took the 10, 20, $50 bills and, 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 you know, it was funny. Somebody would take the $10 bill and they would be like, ah, man, I didn't get the 50, you know? And it's like, hey, that's not the point. <laughs> that's not the point of it, right? But it's a five, two, one principle. And, and we brought back and we raised about $25,000 that year for the miracle offering. And it was incredible. We gave away a car to some girls that were in need. It was awesome. And here's the, here's the point of it, that the master gives money. He gives his uh, talents to these servants and he expects them to do something with it. That's the point of it. You got to do something with what God has given you. God's given you resources, time, and talents to invest. So my question to you today is simply, how are you investing those things? How are you investing your life? Are you burying it underground or are you allowing God to multiply his goodness, love, faith, and mercy in your life? Are you allowing God to multiply your finances as you give and as you're generous, he's multiplying more and more and you're giving more? Or are you just kind of holding on to everything? He celebrates the servants that multiplied and he corrected the servant that maintained. So let me put it to you this way. God does not want you to maintain. He wants you to multiply. He doesn't want you to just maintain what he's been giving you. He wants you to multiply what you have been given. He doesn't give something to you just for yourself and so you can put it in the ground. He wants you to do something with it, guys. But I, I get this. People might say, well, how am I supposed to multiply? Because I feel more like the servant who got the one that was kind of scared to invest. I just didn't want to lose what I had been given. And I get that. We're going through a hard time in, in, in our economy right now. Inflation is crazy. A lot of people are digging way into their savings, there's a lot of college students here. You might be like, hey, I barely even have a job. You know, like I barely make any money at all. How am I supposed to multiply? High schoolers, middle schoolers, the same deal. Or, or maybe as an adult, you're just, I got four kids and man, it's tough right now to try to put food on the table for all of them and take care of my family and still be able to multiply and to invest in, and even to give to and through my local church, whatever it might be. I get it. But you're thinking in human economic terms. Let me explain to you. If I told you that there was a great stock investment opportunity that would gain you 10% APR, you'd be pretty excited about that, right? 10%, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, but as much as we know that there's money to be made in the stock market, what is there also? A lot of money to lose in the stock market, all right? We know this to be true. Maybe uh, you don't diversify your investment portfolio the right way. You went in too big on a company that was a little too high risk. and Maybe they went under. Sometimes there's nothing you could do about it though. There's some things that, man, maybe you should have done this the right way, but sometimes there's nothing you could do. The Great Depression, guys, there's nothing that people could have done about that. There's nothing that you could have done in 08 with the Great Recession when the housing market crashed. Many of you got hit really hard during that time or your family got hit really hard during that time. And there's no one that could have predicted that except for maybe a slim few people. There's nothing you could have done. But there's always some risk involved in investing in any man-made economic system, right? 
always some kind of risk. So you might be like, hey, I'm not sure I can invest because I barely have anything to begin with. And I might just not see a return. I also might lose my original investment and I can't afford to do that. So I'm just not gonna do anything at all. That's how our economy works, especially right now with the way everything's going. But let me give you a different scenario and see what you think about it. What if I told you there was an investment opportunity for 100% APR? What if I told you that? 100%. You'd be like, stop, that's not even possible. Yo, it's possible. An opportunity that could multiply your original investment exponentially. And the best part, there's absolutely zero risk. There's zero risk. You've got to be kidding me, Pastor. There's no way, Pastor Trevor, that you could have a zero risk investment that's going to have 100% APR exponentially multiplying. There's no way. It doesn't exist, all right? No, no, it does. It's backed by a bank with unlimited funds that will never run dry. And whatever investment you make, it is guaranteed to be multiplied. How would you feel going into that one? Would you feel a little bit better about going into that one versus going into the other one? I certainly would. I would take the second one all day long because I could invest with confidence. I'm not afraid of losing my investment and I'm looking forward to the returns that I will see hitting my bank account soon. Come on, somebody say, amen, I'm going on vacation. Let's go. But this is how God's economy works, y'all. Heaven is not short on funds. The streets are made of gold. I'm pretty sure God has enough. He wants to bless you. He's not stingy with his blessings, y'all. He wants you to prosper. He wants your family to do well. And and it only takes a servant who is willing and able and understands that my investment into the kingdom of God is always a good investment. A God investment is always a good investment. Come on, say it with me. A God investment is always a good investment. Amen? You believe that? I hope that you do. There's no certificate of deposit, no mutual fund, no stock, or no bond that can ever multiply like our God can multiply. Investing in real estate is fine, and you might get some good returns. But man, if you invest in our Father's house, let me tell you, there is zero risk and 100% reward every single time. Somebody say amen today. You might feel like that first servant, though. He was given one talent and he was afraid. He didn't have faith that his investment was gonna be multiplied. So he buried it. He didn't wanna take the risk. I get that. You might say, I don't have a lot to give because I don't feel like I have a lot to lose. And I wanna read this passage that we've read a few times over this series, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you decide in your heart to give, not reluctantly, We're under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. What is the principle? That if you sow a little, you will reap a little. And if you sow a lot, you will reap a lot. The servant was given one, was afraid to invest because he didn't want to lose the little that he had. But the servants with two and five took a leap of faith and trusted that their investments were gonna grow and they'd be able to give something of worth back to their master when he came back. I find it interesting too that the, the master to the five and the two, he says, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. He goes to the guy that says, hey, I had five, I made five more. He's like, hey, well done, good job. But then the guy that has two comes up and he says, hey, master, I made two back. He, didn't, he doesn't go, well, he made five, so what are you doing, right? 
Why didn't you make five like him? I thought you would try a little bit harder. Come on now. No, 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 he doesn't say that. What does he say? The same thing that he said to the guy that had five. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. Why did he say that? Because he did something with what he was given. It wasn't about comparing to what the guy down the street did, what your buddy or what that girl on Instagram has or does, or at least tries to show that they have or do. No, no, no. What have you been given and what are you doing with what you've been given? That's what the master cared about. Generosity has nothing to do with how much you've been given, but it matters what you're doing with it. So I think it's really cool to look at it this way too. The master gives all this money to his servants. And I'm not gonna go through the math on how much money a talent was. It's a lot, okay? It's thousands of dollars, tens of thousands of dollars. And he gives these talents to the servants. Not necessarily a normal thing to do, right? A master giving the money to the servants says, hey, I want you guys to go invest this. Um, It's a lot of trust that he has there with these people. Must have at least some level of trust. He expected them to do something with it. And he's investing not just his money, but he's investing in them, which I find so interesting. God wants to invest in you. Do you know that? And in fact, he already has. He's given you time, talents, resources, uh, all your job that you have, the family that you have. God has given every single thing that you have to you. And he expects you to do something with it, amen? Come on, we gotta do something with what God has given us. Uh, and, and you could use it for the kingdom of God. Don't bury your life under the ground, but let's make a difference in this world, come on. I don't wanna just sit on the sidelines. I wanna be put in the game, coach, come on. And so you might be thinking, well, I don't really have a whole lot. I'm not very talented. I can't sing like Pastor Tim or, or Lauren up here. Uh, I definitely can't sing like him. I, I don't really, how am I gonna be able to serve uh, in, the, in the local church or whatever. Let's just put it in that context. Okay. Uh, yeah, but you're great with kids. You're incredible with children. Why don't you go serve in Rad Kids? What, do you know what would happen if I put Tim Martinez in Rad Kids? Guys, he, for one day on a Sunday morning, if I put him in Rad Kids, he would quit. He'd be done. He would leave. I would never see him again. He'd never talk to me again. He would absolutely hate it. Why? Because that's not his gifting, y'all. He's not somebody that loves hanging around with a bunch of kids, okay? That's just not his thing. He loves music and he loves singing. That's his gifting, what God has gifted him with. But maybe that's, maybe that's not you. Maybe that's you, right? Um, you know, he's like, hey, I'm introverted. I don't want to stand on a stage and preach, okay? You might say something like, I'm introverted and I have social anxiety. I can't be a greeter. Well, yeah, but maybe you're great with technology. Join all the other introverts in the booth over there, okay? Like, they would love to have you. You don't have to talk or say anything. It's great, you know, like, I always mess with you guys, but they're so good. Can we give it up for our booth? Come on. <laughs> our production team is so cool. I give everybody a hard time here. You know what? I'll give the other people a hard time here for a second. What if we put the greeters in the sound booth, y'all? You think it would sound as good as it does? It would be terrible. It would sound so bad. And then the camera shot on the live stream, y'all be watching because you're with your families or whatever and you're on vacation. You're trying to watch the live stream that Sunday and the camera just starts to veer off and you're like, what in the world is happening? It's because they're talking to each other and not paying attention. <laughs> A lot of smiles back there now, but it doesn't. What, that's not what we need, guys, all right? The smiles need to be at the door, all right? It just wouldn't make any sense. You might be here in college today, in high school. You're like, hey, I don't have a lot of money, uh, so I can't give as much as other people. You might be a little frustrated by that. Man, I really want to make a difference, but I really don't have a whole lot to give. Listen, yeah, you're young and your knees still work, all right? So put them to use, guys. Like, you can serve with your time. 
You can serve, and everybody can give something. Don't get me wrong. Don't hear me wrong. Everybody can give something, but you, you have time. You ain't got no responsibility, okay? You think you do, you don't know, okay? And then you might be in the opposite situation. Well, I, I don't have a lot of time because I work a lot. I have a great job, but it, it takes me out of the country. It takes me out of state or uh, I travel a lot. I just got a lot of work stuff. I work over the weekends, and so it's difficult for me to serve on a Sunday. I really want to serve. And we talk about serving all the time and getting involved and everything. But I just feel like I can't do that because I'm not even here enough to really be able to do that. Listen, that job that God blessed you with, use it to be a blessing. Now you have finances that all these broke college kids don't have, okay? You might not have the knees, but man, you got the pocketbook, all right? So like serve through your generosity. Serve through your giving, Serve through helping in a way that even when you're not here, you can be sure. Maybe you're watching on a plane on the live stream, but you can be sure that I'm making a difference because of my giving to that church. There's so many different ways that you can be involved, and we've all been given a measure. It matters what you do with it. So the master says, you've been faithful with little to the two. Now I can trust you with much. Can God trust you with the increase that you're praying for? If you're like, I'm broke, I ain't got no money, I need increase, I'm in debt, and you're praying, God help me, he's like, I don't even know if I could trust you with that. All the people that win the lottery, they win the mega millions or Powerball, whatever it is, all these different things, do you know how many of those people end up going broke? Millions of dollars, and how many of them go broke? Why is that? Because they didn't even know how to manage their regular salary So now you throw millions of dollars into it. You think that magically they're gonna be able to manage all that? No. I firmly believe that sometimes the reason why you haven't got that promotion yet, you haven't got that career change, you haven't got that job, you haven't seen that increase is because God is not able to trust you with the increase yet. And he needs you to be generous He needs you to start living your life and trusting him in your finances in a way that he'll say, you know what? I can trust that that person, when I give them the increase, they're not just gonna keep it all for themselves. They're not gonna hoard it or they're not gonna spend it on their own pleasures, but they're gonna spend it advancing the kingdom of God, helping people that are in need and making a difference in the world. Second Corinthians, uh, that same verse from earlier, it says, God loves a cheerful giver. It's my favorite part. Because it says, and then God is able to bless you abundantly. Now that I'm a generous person, God is now able to bless me. And so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. God gives you the increase and multiplies in your life, not just for you, but for others. He gives it to you so that you can increase your impact in your community and in your family. Multiplication is not just about you. It's always about others though. In Ephesians 3.20, it says this as we close here, Pastor Tim or Sadie, you can come on up, guys. It says, now all glory to God who is able, there's that word again, through his mighty power at work within us, what was it, within you, to accomplish infinitely, exponentially more than we might ask or think. God wants to accomplish his will in your life and he is able to do it if you will give your life over to him. If what he has given you, you are faithful with, he will give you more. The guy who had the 10, he he had five and he made 10, he ended up with 10. He said, take the one and give it to the guy that has 10. Does that seem fair? 
It doesn't seem fair in a sense, but in God's economy, it's completely different. He says, man, this guy has been faithful with little. Now I will give you much. God wants to bless your family, but are you being faithful? I promise if you're faithful to God, he will be faithful back to you. His promises are yes and amen. Back to the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus took the bread, he broke it, he blessed it and then broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, you feed them. So you might look at your life and say, man, I haven't been given a whole lot. I might not have a whole lot of money. I might not have a lot of talent. Maybe I don't have a lot of time, whatever it might be, I don't know. I only have a few loaves and a few fish. And I'm certainly not perfect. I'm still figuring this whole God thing out. I'm still figuring out my relationship with God. I still struggle with things. Maybe you've been a Christian for a while, but you're still struggling with some things and you feel like that God can't use you because of the fact that, man, I'm still struggling with a couple things here and there. And and I just feel like I, I can't, God can't use me. Let me tell you, if you will put your broken life in the hands of Jesus, put your gifts, your time, your talents, your resources in the hands of our great God, when he blesses it, multiplication is for sure around the corner. Whatever you put in the hands of Jesus and whatever he blesses, man, you can be sure that multiplication is about to happen and that there's about to be an impact because our God is a God of multiplication. Say, well, what does God want to multiply in my life? It's not just about your finances, guys. That's why the series is called More Than Money. It's about your heart. He wants to multiply his grace in your life. He wants to multiply love. Some of y'all are like, man, I'm so impatient. I'm so angry all the time. And I just don't know how to get past this, man. Put that brokenness in the hands of Jesus. Let him break you. Let him put you back together again. Let him bless you. And he'll send you out. You say, I don't have peace. I'm riddled with anxiety and worry and fear and doubt. Put that in the hands of Jesus. Let him bless you. Send you out in multiplication. It all starts with somebody saying, God, I'm just your servant and I'm gonna take what you've given me, whether it's a lot, whether it's a little, and I'm gonna do something with it. Can we say that we're gonna do that together today? Hey, whatever you've been given, whatever I have, God, I'm gonna do something with it. Can we all agree today? Would you stand with me? As we close this series, I just want you to remember a couple of things. It's been great and we've learned a whole lot and I hope that it's encouraged you and your family. I just wanna get across that idea of we give because he gave. That's all I care about. If you get that one, if you get that, it will change everything for you. Generosity begins with a grateful heart. I mean, grateful for what God has done for you by sending his son, Jesus. Bible says we know that God sent his one and only son. Whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus died for you and me. Why did he die? Because the Bible says once again, that we're all born sinners. We all have sin in our hearts and our lives and that's how we were born. And yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you. And when you understand 
that concept, the idea that I'd be dead and like I would have no hope and no life and no peace and there'd be nothing without God. Everything I have comes from God. When you get that idea, everything changes. And so I simply wanna pray for you today that God would help us to be a generous church. And we already are. And I'm so grateful for every single one of you that gives uh, to Radical Church to help advance the kingdom of God right here in Hayes County. But man, we're giving uh, next week in our miracle offering to a missions trip. We're going to Kenya and we wanna give to the missionaries there. I mean, it's guys, it's all around the world. It's not just here. And I thank you so much for being generous. So many people have started their giving journey and started their generosity journey. And it's been $5, $10, $20. And I'm just so thrilled with that because it means that you're getting it, that it's about Jesus. It's about my heart. It's not about how much I can give, but it's just about me being a part of it, being a part of this body of Christ. And so I'm gonna pray for you for blessing and for favor and for generosity to come forth as we close this series. Would you bow your heads? Father God, I thank you for every person here. Would you help them in the name of Jesus to be generous, to be givers, to think of others before themselves? God, I pray for jobs in the name of Jesus to come forth. We've prayed for jobs before and we've seen them come. And I pray again for somebody that is in need, they would find the perfect job. God, for the promotion that they've been needing. Lord, for the financial increase that they've been needing, for the college students, the high school students looking for direction on what their next step is. God, I pray for that next step of direction, the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives to lead them and guide them into truth and into the destiny that you have for them. I thank you, Jesus. And there's somebody in here right now with every head bowed, I just believe that there's somebody that needs to say yes to God, that you are understanding maybe for the very first time that Jesus died for me. And I'm so grateful for that. And I can't do this life alone. I want my life to be multiplied. I want a multiplication of peace and hope and love and joy in my life. I need this. And maybe you need to give your life back to God because you've been kind of walking away from him and you know that, that you know that you know that it's time for me to get right with God today. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand on the count of three and look up at me so that I know who I'm praying with. It'll be the best decision you've ever made. One, two, three. Look up at me. I want to see you. My man, yes, sir. I see you. Yes, sir. My man, I see you. You can put your hand down. Come on, anybody else? Anybody else? I just want to see you. A couple of guys saying yes to Jesus today. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Hey, let's pray this together. Father God, I thank you for these two that are saying yes. Getting their hearts and lives right with you, making you their king, making you their Lord of their lives, God. They're understanding this idea that, man, I, I'm in sin and, and I'm not living my life for God and I need a savior. I can't do this by myself. And really all of us, that is true of every single one of us here. And I pray, Lord, for these that are giving their hearts to Jesus and for everybody here, that we would continue to make you first, that we would bring you our first and best in every area of our life, not just our finances, but in every area of our life, with our time, with our families, with our resources, our jobs, school, everything that we do. God, will we bring you glory. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for saving each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, God's people said, amen.